Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. Another Thursday night. And I'm feeling all right. How you feeling out there? <laughs> how you feeling out there? Those of you that are online, how you feeling out there? They probably... They <laughs> They probably feeling like, well, I'm nice and cozy on my couch. <laughs> That's what they're saying. I'm feeling all right. Some feeling iry. All right. Hope is not for nothing other than Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well. Thursday night is Bible study. We're going to go before the Lord and pray in just a moment here. But let me mention a couple of quick things that we can pray about and ponder. Um, tomorrow is a work day at um, our church as we get it ready for service. And so any male, male, we are being distinct. We need more males. To help us out tomorrow, we'll be there from 6 a.m. Uh, at least till 3 a.m. From 6 a.m. to 3 a.m. So if you can come during that time, um, let us know, and um, we'd love to have you. Um, if you can get anyone to come and help us out, tell them to come on. We'll be there between 6 a.m. and 3 p.m. I'm sure there's some that will be there later than that, but. Um, if you can give some time up during those times, that will be really, really fantastic. Things are moving along. The remodel is in full swing, full swing, my Lord. And so uh, we'd love to have you come out and help out in whatever capacity, whatever way. We promise we'll feed you. We can promise you that. You come, you'll get fed. So if you want some good lunch, Want some dinner? We'll feed you. Can't promise you any. Well, maybe some coffee and you know, some chips or something. Amen. Um, Brother Scott, make sure you make sure you talk to Luke before Luke leaves tonight. See what he got going on his schedule tomorrow. He's got some muscles. Yeah, he can use muscles. So see Lukey before he leaves tonight. See if he's available tomorrow. I know Brother Tom said he's available, so. We've got Brother Tom. Brother Izzy, you're available tomorrow? All right. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. Amen. This morning, me and Ethan, woo, started out carrying lumber. Seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Seven o'clock in the morning. We're carrying lumber. And then, um, Brother, um, oh, my oldest son came. <laughs> he was there for a while, and then Brother Calvin came, and uh, we kept moving things along, and Brother Scarlett, poor Brother Scarlett, I guess when you own your own business, you can do certain things, so Ethan and I are carrying the wood in, he says, my poor dad, he's probably trying to figure out how we can pass the work off to the other guy, so he can get to the building, I guess he must have been able to pass the work off to the other guy because he was at the building shortly. So we're doing whatever we can, and it's moving along, but it's fun. 
and um, it's not a bad thing to see, um, especially if you saw it from the very beginning and you're watching how the process is moving along. It's pretty interesting, and it's it's um, very exciting. But let's stand and we'll go before the Lord in prayer. Don't forget to pray for the Hasker family, um, specifically Sister Crystal and her side of family. Her grandmother passed away, and so we're praying for them. And so we want you to keep them in prayer. I know she had um, went on the road. They are down in Maryland. And so continue to keep them in your prayer. And, um, you know, let her know that um, if there's anything we can do, any one of you want to just reach out to her and let her know that you're, you're here. If she needs anything, that will be fantastic. And so keep them in your prayers. Um, I want to mention something that we need to be mindful of. I used to talk about this, and I don't you know, belabor the point too much, but um, cell phones and um, service, I told you a while back, I'm okay with cell phones and service. I want you to have your phone, and, and if you hear something good, I want you to post it on social media. Um, if you're taking notes, take notes on your phone. If you need scriptures, you find scriptures up on your phone. But um, to just have the phone and play games in service while uh, church is going on, at the very least, it's not respectful. At the very least. It's not respectful that you're supposed to be in a place where you're paying attention and you decide you're going to just play on your phone. Um, you know, And then it doesn't make good sense. Why even bother come here and play on your phone, right? You know, so um, use the cell phone for the right things when you're in the sanctuary. Use them for the right things. I think you'll find that if you use it for the right things, it will benefit you um, a great deal. So uh, just keep a mindful uh, mindset that we want to use our cell phone for the right thing, things. And even with the children, um, parents, and I'm telling parents because um, you're responsible for your children, if they're playing on the phone, you just let them know, hey, no playing on the phone. Um, pull up scriptures on the phone post something on TikTok on the phone about the service, but um, don't use the phone to play games, you know. Um, you're not even in church as long as you're in school. You can, everybody can, you know, hold up for the little bit of time that we're here. I always feel so guilty when I think about um, how much time we spend working on jobs or going to school and all the things that we do. We spend so much more time on what we think the things are important that we do. We spend so much more time doing those things. And I, I guess we're going to always tell ourselves, well, you know, it's necessary and we can't survive if we don't do those things. And true, but I still feel some kind of guilt sometimes or conviction that we don't spend enough time in the house of the Lord. And I can't waste the time when I come in the house of the Lord. And we got to teach our children not to waste the time either because we want to grow, want them to grow up the right way. Well, let's pray and ask God for his goodness tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your kindness, your goodness. Lord, you're so, so wonderful. Your love is beyond our comprehension. And oh God, we have gathered together one more time in your house, the house that you have established and built, Lord God. And we're here to magnify your great and majestic name. We're here to praise you and to honor you and to worship you, Lord, and to give praise to you, Lord, for there is none like you, Jesus. Uh, it is such an honor. It is such a privilege, Lord, to be in your house and 
to be able, Lord Jesus, to worship together with the saints of the Most High God. Have your way tonight, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. We give ourselves to you, Lord God, in complete submission, Lord. We want you to have the preeminence in our thoughts and in our deeds, Lord God. We want your kingdom, Lord, to manifest in the midst of us, that the glory of the Lord will fill the house of God, and that, Lord, there will be a work that you will do within us tonight. We're asking, Lord God. We're seeking, Lord God. We're petitioning, Lord God, that you be glorified, that your will be done, and that the power of the Lord will reign supreme in this house tonight, Lord God. Father, whatsoever you want to do, will you do it, Lord, that we will not leave this place tonight without a touch from you, without an encounter with you, without understanding, without clarity, for we want the word of God to be engrafted in our heart that we can become doers, applying it in our life, Lord God. Have your way tonight. Let there be revelation. Let there be understanding. Let the word of God come into our mind with understanding that we can apply it, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, touch the Hasker family, Sister Crystal and her family, Lord. Comfort them, Lord Jesus. Give them peace, Lord God, in this situation. And I pray your will to be done in their life. Whatever they need, Lord, will you grant it to them, Lord. We give you praise and honor, Lord, for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Touch those that are helping us, Lord God, renovate the church, Lord. Give them strength. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Listen to me. When you start to mature in God, you will... One of the things that make you understand God's word a lot better is when you start to understand the spirit of the word and not just the letter of the word. You have to get an understanding of the spirit of the word. You want to, the best way to understand the spirit of the word is to come to a place where you study who Jesus is so much you 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 place yourself in his hands and 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 you give yourself to prayer and obedience and submission to him so much that you come to know him and when you begin to know the lord you begin to understand his ways it's one thing to know the word of god but sometimes we follow the word of god like 
puppets or like robots, like like we just follow it because, okay, is that what the word says? Okay, and we just follow it. But we don't always understand the spirit behind the word. Why is that word saying what it's saying to us? Why does it, you know, why is it written the way it's written? And, and, and how does it need to impact my life? And we don't follow it deep enough to understand the spirit behind it. We, we got to stop and realize the word was written in, 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 in the Middle Eastern context. And it's not written in the Western world context. And so a lot of times because we only know this side of the world, when we read the word of God, the first thing that we do to begin to respond to the word is to think about our experiences, where we live. And so sometimes that can throw us off in trying to get the real meaning or the spirit behind God's word. And so I hope that as I teach this series tonight and for the next probably three uh, Thursdays, four Thursdays, that you will realize the spirit behind why God is saying some of the things that he's saying, because Sometimes we miss what God wants to do and 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 we can sometimes be talked out of our faith. This is why the Lord is interested in you knowing, not you just believing, because you can believe and somebody can talk to you long enough. If you're not solid in knowing who God is, someone can talk to you long enough till you start believing something else. But if you know something, nobody can talk you out of what you know. They can't convince you to do something other than what you know. So it's important to know the Lord because then you understand the spirit behind his teachings, his doctrine, his instructions for our life. And so um, I think at least once a year, I normally touch on the topic that I'm going to touch on as a series, uh, because I believe that a lot of um, apostolics, when you come into the church and you give your life to God, you're usually so innocent, so sincere that you just obey everything. What does the word say? And you just obey it. And after you become accustomed to the things of God and you start to understand a little bit more, all of a sudden you start negotiating in your own mind what you think is important and what's not that bad. And we kind of go on living the rest of our life in Christ kind of that way. And that's why sometimes we end up in a place where we can't see the significance in some of the things God is saying to us. And so we live our Christian life kind of neglecting some things that God really wants us to do that will help us to grow. But because we have decided that we can't see the significance when we first started going to church, most of us anyway, we didn't always know the significance. I'll tell you the truth. Check this out. I remember when I first got saved, I was trying to explain to uh, other individuals about God being one. I was 
explaining to other individuals that you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so a lot of people were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. A lot of people accept the fact that there were only one God, but they really didn't know it for real. But they obeyed it. But somehow, after a while, we start living for God and we're no longer that innocent, sincere Christian. And so now we start to question stuff instead of just did what we did from the beginning, which was just obey it, whether we understood it or not. And so I'm getting ready to talk to you tonight or for the next four nights on something that I love to talk about. The topic, be ye holy. You all start me up on our theme, our prayer theme for this week, and I just feel just I needed to go with it. I really felt I needed to go with the prayer theme and teach about it because I believe that a lot of apostolics can't explain holiness. And so they get talked out of holiness, and now they start to make decisions on what they think is okay and what's not okay. Because they never really understood it from the first place. So we'll talk about it for the next four weeks. And hopefully you will come to know it to the point where you will start to do it in every way, shape, or form in your life. Exodus chapter 33, verse number 15 says, And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, Carry us not up hence. This is Moses here. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Moses is saying to the Lord, how are we going to know that we have found grace in your sight, almighty God? He went on. Is it not? In that thou goest with us. Moses knew the Lord enough to know if we have found grace in your sight, Lord, your presence will always be with us. If we have found grace in your eyes, Lord, your presence will always be with us. So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. If God's presence is with us, we will be separated from all the people upon the earth. We have to stop and realize, whether we like it or not, We need to make the decision understanding that when you become a people of God, you're going to be different from those who are not the people of God. But somehow we still feel like we need to be like everybody else and we're not taking it in stride to feel proud, a holy proudness. We're not taking it to feel good about man. I am so, so, so honored I am so privileged to be a child of God and to be different from everyone else that's not a child of God. 
I don't know how much we take that in and honor that and treasure that. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14, the scripture says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. That scripture scared me every time I read it. I don't know what it does for you, but it makes me nervous. Because this is saying we need to be peaceful, but we also need to be holy. And if we're not holy, we won't see the Lord. I thought all I had to do was repent of my sins and be baptized in Jesus' name. I thought all I had to do was talk in tongues and I'll go to heaven. You can be born again, I can be born again and still not make it to heaven if we're not holy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, we are coming up with all these thoughts thinking holiness is some option of salvation or option of living for God. Holiness is not an optional thing. But if we keep th thinking in our mind it's optional, then we will go down that road and sooner or later we won't see God. That's the word of God. Holiness is not a standard. Now you can you can you can establish standards with holiness in with holiness in mind, but holiness is biblical, not a standard. And we'll talk about the difference between standard and biblical word. But let's not think holiness is some optional standard. Some of well, that's just that church. They do that. We can't forget. Well, We'll get into it. First Peter 2 and 9. Here we go again. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous huh. Huh. Let me say this before I say what we all know. This is interesting. He says, but you are a chosen generation. Watch it. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Stop right there. We'll talk about those in a second. But here's what I want to talk about because this is what the Holy Ghost just prompted me to say. He says that you should show forth praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And this is what the Holy Ghost just showed me to show you. When you live as a royal priesthood, when you live as a holy people, when you live as a peculiar people, then you praise God. So it ain't just clapping your hands. It ain't just stopping your feet. It ain't just saying amen that makes you praise God when you are holy, when you are a royal priesthood, and when you are a peculiar people, you live that kind of lifestyle, you praise God. Without even saying hallelujah, without even running the aisle, you are praising God when you represent. 
Because that's what you're doing. God says just be who you're supposed to be. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And when you do that, you're praising me without even opening your mouth. That's one. That's another way of praising me by being like this. So when you are living holy, you are praising God at the same time. First Peter 1 and 15, it says, but as he which had called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. That's what I'm talking about. Be holy. We'll be talking about it for a minute. Be holy. Now, again, certain things stand out. So it says here, I did this today, and I've never done this before. I read that text in 1 Peter 1 and 15, and it says, But as he which had called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And so me, I'm inquisitive in the scripture. I said, all right, God, again, this is when you understand the ways of God. I said, God, knowing people like I know them, there's a lot of people that's going to say, see, holiness is about how you carry yourself in what you say. Be holy in all manner of conversation. So a lot of people is probably going to hold on to that peace conversation. See? You don't have to be going through no, no extra stuff. Just speak right and you're holy. Well, Brother Scarlett, I dug into that word conversation because I know the Bible that I'm reading that when you translate, it can mi miss the meaning. We got to use certain words to, 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 to bring across what needs to be brought across. And sometimes we don't really get the true essence of what it was supposed to mean. So what it was supposed to really mean in all matter of conversation is this, in all mode of life. When it says in all manner of conversation, it means in conduct. When it says all manner of conversation, it means in your behavior. When it says all manner of conversation, it means the spending of one's life. When it says all manner of conversation, it means moral conduct. So that conversation word, it ain't just what you're saying. So the next time somebody say holiness is not all of that stuff in your lifestyle, it's just you make sure you, you speak properly. It's more than that. It's more than that. Listen to this. Now, here go some things that deal with the ways of God, because you you're just supposed to know this. And these are some of the things we need to take in stride as we think about why we need to be holy. Yes, he says we have to be holy because he's holy. So we've got all of that. But here's some more stuff. Children usually inherit the nature of their parents. God is holy. And that's his nature. When we become born again, we become his children. We're supposed to inherit his nature. <laughs> Therefore, as his children, we should live holy lives. 
We are partakers of his divine nature and ought to reveal that nature in godly living. So for most of us, if people are around you and your child long enough, they will be able to see something that you both do because that's your child. They will be able to see some similarities because that's your child. When people come around you, do they see similarities of you and Jesus? Because we're supposed to partake in his holy divine nature once we become born again. This is why it is absolutely significant to have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you because that's his nature dwelling in you that enables you to be holy. Nobody can be holy without the Holy Spirit. We're not capable of being holy without the Holy Spirit. It is with great truth that people everywhere will imitate the God whom they worship. That's a little statement that that statement saying something. The Bible says, always remember this, that Satan is the author of lies. He's the father of lies. And Jesus said, when you lie, you do the will of your father. Jesus said that, you know, every once in a while he get get a little strong on us, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so the dominant traits of your God, you will model it. Mm -hmm. Whatever God people serve, they imitate that God. They will form their character in accordance with that God. They will regard what he or she or it, talking about the God, does as right, and they will practice freely what that God approves of. So if you check people that serve different religions and false gods, you will see those things happening in your life. You will know what kind of God they serve. Like, for instance, this is not taking shot at anybody's religion. I'm just trying to make a point. If you think that a cow is sacred, you're not going to eat meat. Because the cow is sacred. So you're not going to kill the cow and eat the cow's meat. So you will know what kind of God they have. They reverence that God. We don't want anything to happen to this God. And we should reverence our God, too. There are people that their God is a statue, and in their way of letting people know that their God is, they get a statue of bad. I'm not taking shots at nobody. I'm just telling you, when we, whatever or whoever is our God, we will always show in our behavior that that's who we worship. We better not have a hard time showing people who we worship. 
We better not have a hard time showing the world who we worship because people are worshiping all kinds of gods in this world and they don't care if you know who their God is and that they worship that God. And so why are we worried when we are worshiping the true and living God? How does that make sense that we worship the true and living God, the one that gives life, the one who's responsible for everything that exists? And we are kind of timid in reverencing our God by representing him in lifestyle. I'm telling you, when you get to understand and know the ways of God, you'll really realize I I can't do anything but to make sure I represent him. I need to represent him. Whatever it takes to represent Jesus, that's what I will do. We cannot be holy without the work of the Holy Ghost in our life. Question for everybody in here tonight. Does the Holy Ghost affect the outward appearance of the vessel he chooses to dwell in or not? Does the Holy Ghost only affect you on the inside as a Christian? Anybody want to answer that? The the Holy Ghost doesn't just affect you on the inside. He affects you on the outside too. Okay, okay, okay. You said it. I didn't say it. You said it. Well, I hope you can show for sure that he does. Let me share with you this story. I've shared it before, but it's part of this teaching, this story as to what the devil is trying to do with the church to make you not be holy. This started a long time ago, and the devil is working in the background to try to keep the church from being holy. Here is what he came up with back in the day, (laughs) back in the day. Acts chapter six, verse number three through five, it says. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Watch this. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. I want you to focus on Nicholas. Nicholas was chosen as, what did it say? It says, look out among you and and, and choose men full of the Holy Ghost and with wisdom and appoint them over a certain aspect of ministry. Nicholas must have been a man with wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. However, Nicholas' dedication to the apostolic message was short-lived. He was a part of the apostolic church at one time. But it was short-lived. Let me show you how it was short-lived. According to early writings on heresy, Nicholas eventually backslid 
and introduced the doctrine of the Nicolaitans to the church. His doctrine came about and came about as a knee jerk reaction to the legalism of the Judaizer. So all false religion, all of it always starts because somebody starts disagreeing with something that they see. False religion started because somebody looked and said, that's not right. I'm not doing that because if that's not right, then a lot of the stuff you do probably not right. So I'm leaving and they leave and start something else. Still today, if you ask us, why is there so many churches around? Because a lot of people have decided, I don't like what you're doing in this church. I don't like how you're pastoring this church. So let me go start another church that don't teach that. Still going on today. So a lot of times when they leave and start, remember, they will still have some things that that's legit. Because it was legit at one point in time. But because you feel something in your heart to do something different, all of a sudden it's not legit. So you're going to take some legit stuff with you and then add on what you want to add on. And all of a sudden now you got a different religion. give you an example the Arab religion the Muslims you know why they believe in one God they believe in one God because Ishmael daddy believed in one God Ishmael was Abraham's son and when the Lord told Abraham Set him on with his mom because y'all made a mess. Set him on with his mom. He went to Arabia and lived there and started their own religion. But because he spent 13 years in his daddy's house learning that there's only one God and that he's holy and that he's righteous, he took that with him. But when he got there, he started making up his own stuff. So now you got a whole religion that believe in one God, but they add a whole lot of stuff to it because now they're doing their own thing. That has never stopped. It's going on with the true church and it's going on with other religions where people are just saying, I don't like that. And so let me take my ball and go someplace else and play. I am not down with that. So let me go with that. And sometimes it just could be you don't like the individual who is leading. I got to go someplace else and go do my thing because that person, I don't, I don't know about them. And so you go and you start your own stuff. And so if you're wondering, why is all of this? Because people just get to the place where they want to do what they want to do. And if the church that they're in or the religion that they're in is not, you know, uh, to their liking, they leave and do their own thing. That is never going to change. And so Nicholas realized that the Judaizers started legalizing religion, made the word of God become more like legalism and not realize the word of God came from a place of love. There was never anything about legalism in God's word. It was always from a place of love. You tell your child, don't put your finger in that, that, that outlet. Is, is, is that a problem? Uh, is, that, is that legalism? Is, is it legalism when I say, don't put your finger, don't stick a knife in that outlet. Is that legalism? Man, you just... All we're trying to do is love our children in, 
and, and, and getting them to know, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, because we're just trying to keep you in the right space. And all of a sudden, that's going to turn to legalism. When all we started for, from the beginning, we started from a place of love to make sure they have a better life than we did. Because that's all we all set out to do. If you're any kind of decent parent, you're set out for your children to have a better life than yours. And so you're trying to guide them the right way. And so you're going to have to tell them no to some things. But when God tells us no, and the church preaches it, it's legalism. Nicholas and his followers erred in combating one extreme teaching with another extreme teaching. In the book of Revelation, John compared the Nicolaitans to Balaam in the Old Testament who casted a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Balaam was unsuccessful in cursing Israel from outward. But he taught them to mix godliness with worldliness. Which caused them to curse themselves from within. This is, this, is, this is a God thing and the world uses it. Anything divided within itself will not stand. You can't destroy any company. You can't destroy any gangs. You can't destroy any relationship or anything that's supposed to be solid unless you get somebody from the inside to mess up that thing. Not somebody from the outside. It takes somebody from the inside to start messing it up for it to get messed up. But it can't be messed up from the outside if the people on the inside is holding it together. Can't. Because that's the word of God. It says anything divided within itself shall fall. So the devil knows that. Balaam knew that. And he says, I can't get the Israelites to go and do wrong. So what I'll do is I'll just make something up to get them to believe that it's okay to mix the world and the godliness things. Mix it. Mix it. And now they will start to get messed up from within. I have to get them to mess up themselves. I have to get them to mess up themselves. So a lot of people don't realize that when we start to step out of the realm of holiness, we're only messing up ourselves. We, we, we don't even realize. We think that when we do wrong, it's something, you know, we're offending God or we're hurting God or something. And God is only telling us not to do or to do because he loves us and he's trying to give us the best life for ourselves. So when he says don't, or do, it's only for our benefit. But somehow we don't think like that. We think we can go ahead and do stuff because, yeah, God, I need to do this because you're trying to keep this from me. Really? Really? God is trying to keep it from you, huh? No, he's not. And so the only way we can mess ourselves up is from within. So if we as a people, an apostolic church, the church of the living God, decide that if we're going to mix the world with the church, then we start cursing ourselves. And being unholy is mixing the world with the church. <laughs> Nicholas' doctrine was based 
on Greek dualism. He declared that Christians, since they were sinners, saved by grace. Notice some people like to say that. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When you hear that, put your antennas up because an excuse is coming. <laughs> I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That means you could live like the world on the outside and still remain saved on the inside. That's what I'm a sinner saved by grace means. That's where it's generated from. And we don't even realize that the people that first started saying that, that's why they were saying it. Because they're saying, listen, we will never be able to deserve any goodness of God. So you know what? God just good no matter what. True. But that doesn't mean you live like a sinner. <laughs> His teaching. That's Nicholas we're talking about would later be the basis of the doctrine of eternal security. You ever heard this? Once saved, always saved. That's from a backslidden apostolic. Backslidden apostolics are still, they are still better Christians than non-Christians. I don't mean that in a good way. What do I, let me try to say it a different way. Backslidden Christian make good saints to churches that don't have the truth. Backslidden Christians make good saints to churches that don't have the truth. Take that to the bank. I'm not afraid to tell you what I'm telling you tonight. I'm trying to get I'm trying to teach you something. And so when apostolics backslide and they decide to go to a church that's not apostolic, they stand out. That was Nicholas. So he had a big following because they knew he had some apostolic roots. And so they think he's some guru, not realizing that he backslid. But because they were so far away in the teachings, they can't tell when somebody backslides. They didn't have the truth to begin with, so they don't know they're dealing with a backslidden apostolic. They're just glad they come into their church. And because they're more interested in numbers, that's what's tickling their fancy. I'm just giving you a scripture about this guy, Nicholas. Now, that's fitting some stuff today, but that's not what I'm into right now. I'm into the guy, Nicholas, to tell you what happened to him. Since his teaching required no outward or inward change to be saved, he and his followers attracted large numbers of converts, both from the pagan religion and from a lukewarm church. His message to the apostolic believers was, why live in legalism and bondage of holiness and sanctification when you can live free in Jesus? So many apostolics have left Holiness, because they're saying it's legalism. As I said, go, and maybe we need to ask them, when you tell your children to not do, are you being legalism? Are you legalizing them? When you tell your child, no, you're not going to go play with the neighbors. Because you paid attention and saw that that little boy, he ain't right. 
but you're trying to be a good parent and not talk bad about nobody's kids. All you're doing is you're not playing with him. Is that legalism? But that's what we're doing now as apostolics. Yeah, I ain't got to do all that. that all that, only that stuff, that's legalism. Well, you legalize it. You, you've been functioning as a, as a person putting legalism on your family. Because I'm sure you told your kids not to do certain things. So you were doing the same thing then. If, if you want to go down that road. Telling people to stay away from danger. Telling people to do things that is good for them. No meaning. It's legalism. It means you love them. You care about them. And you don't want them to be messed up. If God tell us to live holy, he's not trying to be a God of legalism. He's just saying, if you don't live holy, eventually you'll go back to the unholy living you were living in before I got you here. Remember I told you, Ethan, the very first thing God did when he delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, when they crossed that Red Sea and they went on the other side, and the, and the Egyptians were all drowned and destroyed. You know the next thing that came? The Ten Commandments. Because how we used to live was never going to save us. The way we conducted our lives before Christ was never going to save us. And so when we get saved, we now have to follow the instructions of God to stay saved. We normally get excited to obey God's teaching, born again, repent of your sin, one God, receive the Holy Ghost. And we say, yeah, because we're doing something to get something. And now when the walk really starts and we start living for God, all of a sudden now we don't want to do all of this stuff. Uh, come on. Come on. If you don't do it, you won't stay in the church. Nicholas violated the apostolic teaching of holiness and sanctification, which was part of their teaching of salvation. Holiness is part of our salvation. The Bible says without holiness, we won't see the Lord. I thought this was about us living holy and righteous. So one day we will see the Lord and see him as he is. That's what the word says. One day we'll see him like he is. And that's what we're striving for. And then now we're going to get ourselves in a place where we're like, that's not necessary. Why do I need to do that? And who says that's holy and that's not holy? <laughs> there must be a distinction between godliness and worldliness in every facet of life. We can talk about the ladies that veil themselves up. I don't know if it's, y'all know the proper name for what they wear, but it's almost like a sheet and you can't see nothing. Y'all can talk about them all you want. But when you see them, don't you know what their religion is? When you see them, don't you know who they are? You know what they're supposed to stand for anyway. We don't know. But you know what they're supposed to stand for. You go in the Middle East and people know how people, what people believe by how they're, they dress. The, 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 the color of clothing that they wear, they know, okay. 
You go in, you go to, go to Florida, I mean not Florida, Africa, and you will see that certain tribe live a certain way. So you know that's certain, that, that, that's, that's, that's that tribe, that's that tribe. Because people will, they want to be distinct to say we are the Lure tribe. We are this other tribe over here. We're this other. They want you to know because they're proud of their tribe. So they make sure they present that tribe to say, here we are. What are we doing about God? What am I missing? What am I missing that we're worrying about and, and, and thinking this is some hard thing? I use 1 Peter 2 and 9 repeatedly in this lesson. I do. Because I need to get it into your mind that the Lord says, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him who had called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The saints of God are chosen. You know what that means? We are a distinct group from the rest of the world. I'm chosen. Okay. So who is not chosen? You see what I'm saying? Like if we stop and start to put some common sense sometimes. Oh, girl, you know, I'm, I'm saved, sanctified, holy Ghost. I'm chosen. Okay. Show me somebody that ain't chosen. Because you can't show me. Because you and them don't look no different. Show me somebody that's not chosen. Because if you chosen and they're not chosen, you shouldn't look the same. <laughs> Isaiah prophesied God's blessing on those God called. My people, my chosen, just as the nation of Israel had been God's chosen people, Christians today have become God's people chosen, not because of physical birth, but because of spiritual birth. We are chosen by God, which means we're supposed to be distinct. We're supposed to show something that says, if you look at me and you look at somebody that's not chosen, you can see the difference. The saints of God are also a royal priesthood. Being a part of the priesthood is a high honor for believers. In the Old Testament times, people did not approach God directly. Instead, a priest would act as an intermediary between God and sinful human beings. With Christ's victory on the cross, that pattern changed. Now believers can come directly into God's presence without fear. And you want to go in God's presence any kind of way when you know better? I think, I can't prove this, but I guarantee you, Brother Bradley, that the criminals that went before the judge 
and didn't have a nice shirt and tie on, whatever time they was going to get, they got, they got all of it. Because the judge is going to stereotype them and says, you don't even look like you want to change. Let me put you in that, that cage and let you stay in that cage for a long time because you don't want to change. You don't care. Look at you. Look at you. Judge can't say it. Well, I think some of them say it. <laughs> but, but, but look at you. Look at you. And now the judges give you the book. Throw the book at you. But you get in there and you sit down and you have a nice suit and tie, shirt and tie or something, and you got a little bit of family behind you, and then now somebody get up and say, Your Honor, you know, yeah, there's some things that need to cor- get corrected and better, but, you know, he's not a bad kid. I didn't raise him this way. We have some mercy. And he was supposed to get 12 years, and Your Honor said, All right, I'll give you seven. Because Your Honor says, he looks out and see there's potential of you being better. And that's all from the look. It's all from the look. Because your honor don't know you. Your honor don't have to believe anybody going up there to talk to you. Talk on your behalf. But just because of how you look, your honor says, you know what? All right, I won't throw the book at you. Let me give you a chance to see what you do with it. To be holy is to be set apart. To be sanctified. To be consecrated. Chaste. To be pure. To be holy. Its fundamental idea is separation from and consecrated to. I think that's probably the one that I grab onto the most. And a lot of people don't grab onto that one enough. When you say you're holy, what you're saying is I'm separated from uncleansiness or uncleanness. I'm separated from ungodliness. Why? Ask yourself that. Why am I separated from things that are unclean? Why am I separated from ungodliness? So I can join to that which is godly. That's why. But being separated from what's unclean and ungodly and not do anything about it is useless. It's doing something for no reason. Why would I say, oh, I'm holy, I'm sanctified, and and for what reason? question right there that I didn't think I wanted to answer. I wasn't trying to answer that. And the bottom line is this. When people start pushing back on holiness, one of the big part of it is they don't want to do nothing for God. They don't want to do nothing for God. Because you know that God requires you to be, require you to be holy when you're doing anything for him. So when you don't want to do nothing for him, you say, nah, all that ain't necessary. Holiness, it's devotion to the service unto God. Holiness, sharing in God's purity and abstaining from earth's defilement. Holiness, a lot to talk about there. Peculiar people that God call us. The word peculiar would mean that they were distinguished from others. Watch this, though. Here goes some more stuff. The word peculiar, a people for a possession. When we're called peculiar, it means we're somebody's possession. (laughs) When somebody possesses you, you can't do whatever you want. They are a people which has secure 
or a people the Lord has secured as his possession. When we say we're peculiar, it means God has secured us for his possession. Uh huh. In this sense, peculiar people are special as being God's. And being such, it may be inferred that they should be special in the sense of being unlike others, unique in the way they live their life. That's peculiar people. You're unique. You're not like everybody else. I close with this. Romans 12 and 1. We know it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. We're in trouble. Because the holiness lifestyle, can I just whisper something to you? Let's just get to it and just get it out in the open. It is inconvenient to be holy. It is inconvenient. Because I'm not going to dance with you. I'm not going to hide it from you. It is inconvenient. It's easy not to be holy. But we can take that further, too. It's easy to live as a sinner and go to hell. If we don't want to go to heaven, all we got to do is just live how we feel. That's easy. Just live how you feel. Just don't do nothing strenuous. Just live how you feel and you will spend eternity away from God. Just live how you feel. So it is an inconvenience. To be holy. It's a sacrifice is what it is. That's what the Bible says. Present your body. A living sacrifice. Sacrifice is inconvenient. Sacrifice is hard. Sacrifice get in the way sometimes of what we want. So stop saying it's just an inconvenient thing. I don't feel like. So what? That's what you're doing for God. You're not doing it for you so much like you're doing it for God. Being holy is not. Remember what I told you in, 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 in 1 Peter 2 and 9. It says when we realize we are peculiar and that we're holy and that we're royal priesthood, it means that if we live that lifestyle, we praise God with that. When you live a holier lifestyle, you praise God with it. So being holy, yeah, you'll benefit from it, but you are praising God when you live holy. So, yes, it's inconvenient. Yes, it's inconvenient to do the things that would be required as being holy. Yes, it is. I'm sure for some of these people that got to put on this thing on their head, that got to put on all this, I'm sure it's inconvenient for them. Like, man, can I just run outside just the way I am? Why can't I just run out just like this? What's the best big deal? Because your life is a living sacrifice. I didn't say that. The word said it. Your life is a living sacrifice. So you can't just do whatever you want. And that's across the board. Whether it's what you put on, whether it's what you say, whether it's your time, whatever it is, you can't just do what you want when you become a child of God. That won't change. 
And if you want to keep doing what you want, that's fine. You and Jesus won't be in the same place. Adam and Eve wanted to do what they want. Guess what? They wasn't in the presence of God no more. Adam, where art thou? Because you decide you want to do what you want. Now you're no longer in my presence. So whenever we want to do what we want, yes, God is everywhere, but we're not in that good fellowship and communion with him when we do what we want. Yes, you can do whatever you want. You just won't be in fellowship with him. That's his rule, not anybody else's rule. That's his. It's not the preacher's rule. It's not the church's rule. Because keep, people keep thinking it's the pastor and the church that says you need to be holy. No, God said be holy. Not the church, not the preacher. God said be holy. My Lord. I'll get into this way down the road, but just, just let me say this. The pastor might say, young people, if you're going to date one another, Try not to go on a date by yourself. Take a chaperone with you just so you are not easily tempted to do something you shouldn't do because you're not married. That's what the pastor says. That's what we call standards. I don't think we find that in the Bible. I'm sure we can find some principle that supports it. But that's what we call standard. We're just trying to look out for you. Don't, don't Don't do that. But I'm telling you what holiness is, is the Bible. It's the word of God. It's biblical. So there's no negotiating holiness. Ain't no negotiating holiness. It's not a standard. Holiness is the word of God. And be not conformed to this world. Man, I don't know if I need to read that no more. Don't be conformed to this world. And most of the times we despise holiness because it's making us not be like this world. And we're trying our best to fit it in this world. When are we going to get comfortable with being children of God and says, I don't want to fit in. I want you to see me as odd. I want you to see me as I'm not like everybody else. When are we going to be really comfortable with that? Like, yes, I'm a child of God. I'm a saint of God. I am different. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to keep praying, God, my mind not renewed to the place where I need to be. Transform my mind some more. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We'll stop it right there today. Those are just little things. We'll get so much more deeper into this because I want you to hold on to holiness and not be. And, 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 and here it is. And when you get questioned by somebody, y'all still got to wear that. You will know how to respond properly. <laughs> y'all know the deal. Y'all know the deal. Holiness is inside and outside. It's not just inside and it's not just outside. And we'll get into that where we'll, I I will, you know, because people like to say this and I like to just get to it real quick and and tell it to people. Yes, there are some people that's looking like they're holy on the outside and they're not. Yes, let's move past that now. Stop telling me about those people. I don't care about everybody. I'm 
teaching you so you can be holy. So don't tell me about all the people in the church. Ah, oh, they hypocrites. Look at them. They, 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 they in church one way. Okay, we have some of those. We do. Okay. Now what? You want to be one of those? Or you're not going to be saved because of one of those? Come on, people. Brother Bradley, what's up? Mine's just something that says, oh, well, it says really what it means because I'm, I'm something that he heard that wasn't really true. We don't know. We don't know. I think, according to what I taught here, is, okay, there are some preachers, that won't call their names, but I can think of two, maybe three, that the way how they preach the word of God, some people say, I don't want to be no Christian. That's what Nicholas came up against. There were people that started making God's word almost like, you better, you better. And so it becomes like, don't try to control my life. And it, and, and it leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. And so if you, don't, if you don't have a solid relationship with God and realize you were living for God for the right reasons, even though that preacher preaching like he's crazy and preaching mean and with no love, that's on him. But a lot of people had walked away from God in our time have walked away from God because preachers didn't come across with love in their ministry. That's what Nicholas was up against. People were using God's word to try to control other people. And that still goes on today where pastors use God's word to control people and that turned them off. And that's why they stopped living for God. Well, that's why we're here tonight. I'm teaching like this because if you so run into anybody like that, I want you to be secure in who you are. Like, you ain't running me up out of God. I know why I'm living like this. I don't care what you say. You can say it mean all you want. You can try to make it out to be legalism all you want. But I know it's all about my relationship with God. And this is coming from out of love. So that's why we own it. I just believe I got to be honest with you. I do believe it's a lot of people that haven't dug down in the scripture to get the real true meaning of what we're doing. Just like I said um, tonight when I said, um, be holy in all manner of conversation, there are some that have taken that to just believe, oh yeah. So, you know, holiness just really pertain to, you know, the things we say. Okay. I knew enough about God to know it could not just be talking about conversation. I knew enough about, so I said, God, I know it's not just talking about our conversation. So I need to dig into this more and find out what that word conversation means. And when I dug into it, I realized, no, it's a whole lot more than that. And I'm like, in my mind, yeah, absolutely. Because God ain't telling us just to be holy in conversation. Because when he was here manifest in flesh as the man Christ Jesus, it wasn't just in conversation. He was holy in every facet of life. So how can he tell us be holy only in our conversation? You see what I'm saying? When you learn the ways of God, if God is living like this, why are we going to live like that? So if he came on earth and lived like this, why are we living like that? Oh, we're not like Jesus. We may not be like him, but we're supposed to be striving to be like him. Because we are complete in him. Meaning when we are who we're supposed to be, it means because we have done the things that he has said we need to do. So whether you're doing it now or you're going to be doing it later, we have to do the things of God. We have to be like him. 
So you might not be like Jesus right now, but you better be doing everything you can to finally start taking on some attributes of Jesus. Let's stand. Be ye holy. We're going to have a good time with this. I want you to learn it so you got it for yourself. Forget about everybody else. Don't let nothing intimidate you. Take what I said. I might have said, I, I know I said a whole lot of things tonight, but remember what I told you. Don't let go of this. Holiness is inconvenient. Please understand that. So every time you are challenged with just presenting yourself as holy because it takes so much, understand it is a challenge, but it's called a sacrifice. It's called a sacrifice. That's what God is saying. It's a sacrifice. I know it is. I know it's a challenge that you got to go through this and go through that to make sure you present yourself in a godly manner. I know it's inconvenient. But the bottom line is, that's why it's a sacrifice. And if we're going to be honest, it's easier to live like the devil than it is to live like Jesus. Because we are, we have a sin nature. That's the only reason why. We, 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 we started living like sinners first. So now when we meet Jesus and we realize we have to stop living like sinners and the devil and start living like Jesus, it becomes very difficult for us to now change how we've been accustomed to living. So it is very difficult to live for Jesus. And holiness is no different because that's part of living for Jesus. So yes, I understand. It's hard. I understand. It's, it's, it's a sacrifice. I understand it's inconvenient sometimes. But who are you doing it for? You or the king? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for touching our hearts and minds. I believe your word has been transmitted to us tonight. And Lord, as the word of God has been transmitted to us, we want it to take root in our heart, Lord God. We want it to grow and produce good fruit, Lord God. Father, raise up Christ-centered church, Lord God, to be so secure in who they are in you, Lord God. Raise up Christ-centered church, Lord God, to be the light, to, to Lord, model that Christ-centered life, to model that life of holiness and do it, Lord God, with high honor. And do it, Lord God, with reverence. Oh, my God. I pray that you will establish us. Every heart, Lord God, that desired to be holy. Every life that decided they want to live a holy and righteous lifestyle. Lord, help us. Empower us by your spirit that we can live out this lifestyle of holiness in all manner of lifestyle, Lord God. That, Lord, we will represent you and be able to teach others about you. Now, Lord, will you clothe us with humility? Let us, almighty God, be a humble people, Lord God. Oh, Lord, that we will not allow ourselves to be haughty. That we will not allow ourselves, Lord God, to, to, to think we're better than anyone else. But, oh, God, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will cause us to be humble, holy. Ah. Oh, my God, help us to walk right, to talk right to live right, to pray right. Oh, God, to do the things that are right before you, Lord God. Father, help us to help those who don't know what holiness is. 
to become holy, Lord God. I pray the strength of the Lord upon us that we will be strengthened, that we can live a holy and righteous lifestyle and be able to be an example, Lord God. Let the word that has gone forth tonight just resonate in our thoughts, in our hearts. Let it not escape us, but help us to hold on to your word tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Let it saturate. Let it permeate. Oh, I thank you tonight. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Saturate our heart, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord God. Have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. Let this message be a game changer for us tonight, Lord God. That we will never be the same again, Lord God. Even in our sleep tonight. And even when we wake up in the morning, Lord God. Let this message be a life changer to us, Lord God. That we will never see holiness the same. That we will be holy. Because you are holy. Lord, will you guide us home safely? Will you keep us, Lord God, until we come back together again? In Jesus' name. Don't forget, building fun. We have youth service tomorrow. Come out, bring the youth out. Remember what they said, adults is free at the Marriott, Princeton Marriott. Your child, $50. Meet us at the Marriott. Well, I won't say us because I don't think I'm going to be there other than dropping my kids off. Start time is 7 p.m. 6.45 they get started. So bring the kids out. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your night.